God is so good. I love what he's doing. I love what he's doing in our church. I love what he's doing in our city. I love that he's raising up people and um, that it's not about the sage on the stage, the man up front, right? Isn't it, aren't we the body of Christ? Yeah, man, God has created you powerful. There's so much inside you. You don't have a junior Holy Spirit. You have the full meal deal. Amen? My Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that, that this all-surpassing power from God is in me and in you, that it's not from us, it's from him. It's in these jars of clay, and um, he wants to kind of, I, I imagine a jar of clay with some cracks, and he wants to seep through our cracks. He just wants to touch the world around us. So praise God for people like Shell and for you and that are just uh, showing up powerfully in, in your sphere of influence. So um, you guys ready? First Corinthians? Anybody, anybody been a part of any of the, 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 uh, this series already in 1 Corinthians? Has it been all right just going through the Bible, kind of section by section? And, and uh, I love this. Sometimes we do topical things. I felt like for a while, let's just take a book like 1 Corinthians, 16 chapters, and let's just slowly go through it, and we'll see. I don't know when we're going to get done. We're just going to spend some time in his word. 1 Corinthians, and uh, today we're going to be in chapter 4. Um, Last week we were in chapter 3, and I love the ending of it because the whole idea of, of, of chapter 3 is as the body of Christ, we, when we can come together in unity, we realize that we're these building blocks. Uh, Peter says that we're living stones, and as we come together, we become this temple so that God can dwell. I think that's the picture of revival, that as we come together as the body of Christ, as, as we become these, these building blocks and we become this temple, like his presence shows up. And when his presence shows up, things happen. When God's presence shows up, that, that's when, that, that's salvation, that's healing, that's freedom, that's miracles, that's all the things that we want. And it's interesting that he calls us that as we come together as the body of Christ, we're a temple. We're a temple all together. We're also, he, we're, he's in us, but he's also among us. And it's just so cool. So that was chapter 3. We come into chapter 4, and um, I've entitled this, this sermon today, Below Deck. We're going to find out what that means in a minute. Below Deck is today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, each week I try to recap just a little bit. Some weeks I recap more than others. But I just want you to know, for, if, if this is your first week, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth is a, is a the city is, is like Las Vegas or New York or, or Los Angeles. It's that type of a, of a bustling city, business, media, um, all of that, as well as lots of sin and lots of temples to these different gods. And how many know, even though we're in America, we've got temples to different gods. And I mean, so that was, the, uh, that was kind of the environment that four years before this, Paul planted this church. And he spent a year and a half with the church in Corinth. And the idea was that this church would affect culture. That it would, in the midst of this type of an environment, that the church would rise up and would start to influence culture. And what happens four years later, Paul gets a report, wait a minute, the culture is influencing the church. We got this whole thing backwards. And so he, as a loving father, you'll see here even in this chapter, as a loving father to, this, to these believers in this church, he decides, um, I, need to, I need to kind of share some hard truths. He starts off the whole, um, the whole book, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, with the first nine verses telling them how great they are. And as you read that, you're like, Paul, don't you know you're about ready to rebuke them? 
You're about ready to say a bunch of nasty stuff. And he starts off by saying, this is what God thinks about you. That's not who you really are. All these things that he's getting ready to say, all the different stuff about, about um, all the, some of the sin and some of the pride and some of the, the different weird stuff that's going on in their church, he starts off by saying, that's not who you are. Who you really are is holy. Who you really are is sanctified. Who you really are is, is a child and a son of the king. Um, and there's a couple things that you've, you've got wrong, and I want to address that, but first I just want to tell you who you are. And so if you read some of these chapters by themselves, you think, Paul's angry. He, he's just this, he's just, he's got the spiritual gift of spanking people. Right? You, go, you read it in context and you're like, you're like, man, this is a father who has to share some hard truths with his spiritual children. And so that's where we're at right now. There's division and disunity in this church. There's small groups rising up and, and saying, we should follow this person or we should follow this person. And, and Paul's like, ah! settle down today is below deck the thought today is this a correct view of ourselves and others elevates God to his rightful place without diminishing our value a correct view of ourselves and others elevates God to his rightful place without diminishing our value and and we 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 see this happening uh um uh, the opposite is happening a lot where, where we have a poor view of others, right? So we're either elevating someone up as like a celebrity or, or higher than they ought to be and we're putting somebody else down lower than they ought to be and so, and, and he's like, wait a minute, like I'm God, like I should be, I should be high, I should be elevated and, and so sometimes what we do is we elevate people too high or we put them down too low. And so there's this place of a correct view of others. But it's also, what about us? How many know that sometimes um, we elevate ourselves a little bit too high? Or we discredit ourselves and we push ourselves a little bit too low? And that's why this thought, a correct view of ourselves and others, puts God in his rightful place without diminishing our value. You are incredibly valued. And sometimes we find ourselves on, on either end of the spectrum where, where we tend to, to view ourselves really poorly. And I'll tell you what, God doesn't view you poorly. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you so much. He's got great plans for you and great thoughts about you. Uh, and, and, then, and then sometimes he needs to come in and, and say, hey, um, also, don't elevate that person. Like, let's honor them, but let's not. They're not a celebrity. He's like, I'm, I'm in charge. I'm a pretty big deal. And sometimes we forget that, um, that, that God's really that big of a deal. And we don't say it with our, with our mouth sometimes. We don't, we don't think about it that way. But through our actions, sometimes we put people on pedestals and he's saying, that's where I'm supposed to sit. So today we're talking about below deck. Below deck. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul starts off this chapter. He says, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. And so Paul starts off with this first verse in 1 Corinthians 4 and he's, uh, he's telling the Corinthian church how they should view him and the other apostles. It's, it's uh, Paul, it's uh, um, Apollos, it's Peter and some of these other. He's saying this is how you should view us. In chapter 3, he's like, wait a minute guys. If you were here last week, he's like, like, I, I plant seed, Apollos waters, 
And you guys are deciding, like, who, who has the better role? How many think it's the planting? I do, I do. How many think it's the watering? Me, me, me. He's like, it's not really that big a deal. I plant and he waters. They're both important. But it's actually God who brings what? Supernatural growth. It's all about him. We've got these jobs. We need to do our role. We need to do our thing. But in light of God, we're really just nothing. We're just servants. We're like, you're, you're thinking about us too, too, too highly and you're, and you're elevating one and then putting down the other. And he's like, knock it off, knock it off. And in this first verse, he says, this is how you should view us. Regard us as servants. Regard us as servants of, of Christ. We're just servants. That's all we are. And if, you know, that would be enough just looking at that verse and moving on. That I think we get the idea. But in in the church in Corinth, in the city of Corinth, they would have understood this word that Paul used, servant. When he said this word in the original language, it would have hit their ears and they would have understood exactly what he was meaning. He uses a word that, um, that actually the meaning of this word, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the word, and I've tried it a couple different times and I'm probably getting it wrong, but the, the, the word in the original Greek, it actually means it's a subordinate servant functioning as a free man. And so it's not, not a slave, it's a volunteer. They, they've chosen to, to uh, submit themselves and they're a free person, but they're, but they're a servant. They're a servant. And so, he's, so it's that, but it's even more than that, that when they heard this word, they would have realized, oh, I get it. Because Corinth was a place where they built this, these ships. Um, they, they were the uh, trireme ships. They were, a, they were a triple-decker ship. And in the bottom of this ship, there were what were called um, uh, these uh, uh, oarsmen. They were, they were the people, they would, they would go below deck and they, would be, they were the under rowers. The under rower, rowers. And that word, that word servant, it actually meant under rower. And when they heard this, they would have been like, oh yeah, I get it. We, those ships come through our harbor all the time. And in fact, we're the first place where those ships were built. They got that. They understood. He's like, he's like, you're viewing us as this, but we're actually under rowers. We're like three levels deep into this ship, and, and we're in that place where nobody can see us. We don't get any of the credit. We're, we're in the place where um, we don't even see the captain. The, the captain's up above, and he's, uh, he's, he pounds a drum, and at the cadence of that drum, we row, we row our, our oars. We just, we take orders from him. We listen carefully for the cadence. This is all we do. We're just rowing. We're just listening carefully. We're just, we're just under rowers. We're just servants in this triple-decker deck. You guys think that we're on the top, kind of directing this whole thing where everybody can see, but we're just under rowers. Any of you, any of you want to be an under rower? There wasn't a whole lot of glory involved. There wasn't a whole lot of glory. It was a, I bet it was stinky and sweaty and, and nobody, get, you know, if, if, the, if the ship was going to sink, those are the ones that were going to get killed first. I mean, this was a, it, it wasn't a glorious job, but it was, but we were serving. And the, the, the ship, it, it would go forward when the, when the rowers would listen to the voice or the sound of the captain. Isn't that interesting? They, they, they would have immediately understood that that they're just under rowers. It was the rower's task to row according to what the captain said or what the captain, or, or what they heard from the, the cadence of the drum. 
And so he, he wants them to view this as that. They, he wants, them, he wants the, the church to, to say, oh, oh, so you're below deck. You're, you're, not, you're not on the upper level. You're below deck. You're just an under rower. View us like that. Stop putting down one and elevating the other. And, and, and uh, he's like, he goes on to say in the next few verses, he says that, that it doesn't really matter a whole lot what you think about me, is what Paul says. He's like, I don't know that I really care a whole lot what you think about me, whether you've elevated me or whether you've put me down. And in fact, he's like, it really doesn't matter what I think about myself. Uh, I don't know that I care about what you think, and I don't really care really about what I think. He's like, I care about what God thinks. How many know that our own thoughts can deceive us sometimes? That sometimes we, we either think of ourselves too low or think of ourselves too high. In fact, in the next few verses, he says, he says man, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm clear conscience right here. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking right about myself, and I'm pretty sure I'm thinking right about you. He's like, I don't, but I don't really trust my thoughts. I trust his thoughts. You guys with me? This is what, this is what Paul's saying to these guys. There's a fine line between a healthy, godly, biblical honor and then elevating someone to a place only reserved for God. And in fact, Paul was the, was the one, he, he, he wrote like half the New Testament. And so the, you got to read this book in context of the whole thing. Paul, um, he wrote Ephesians. You remember Ephesians chapter 4? And he actually said uh, that Christ gave gifts. You know the Holy Spirit gave gifts? Do you guys remember in, in 1 Corinthians uh, um, chapter 12, the, he, gave, he gave nine gifts? nine supernatural gifts, and, and uh, there's gifts that are mentioned in Romans 12. There's also gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4. Does anyone know what those gifts are? We, we often call them the five-fold ministry. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 4 that Christ gave gifts to the church, and his gifts were apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. In other words, I'm a gift from God to you. But it's true, though, right? So, so Jesus, Paul, Jesus through Paul in Ephesians 4 is saying, here's, here's my gift to the body. I want to give, give gifts of, of people to, to the body of Christ so that we can equip the, the, the body to do the work of the ministry. Here's, here's some gifts for you. Here's, here's some gifts. Here's some, some apostles. Here's some teachers. Here's some evangelists, right? Here, here, here's some prophets. Here's some pastors. And, and these are my gifts to you. And so there's a place for, for honor. There's just not a place for um, celebrating somebody higher than they ought to be celebrated. It's, it's keeping it in, in context. Like, so for instance, um, I'm a pastor, but I'm also a saint. When, when Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 4 that the, that the five-fold ministry was given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, he's, he's a five-fold minister He's a, he's, he's a leader of that church. He's a gift to the body of Christ. But then he's also a saint. He's got a, he's got a dual role. And, and isn't that how it is? We're, we're, uh, we're, we're all part of the body of Christ. And really, Paul's bringing it back in, in 1 Corinthians. He's saying, actually, like you guys should really just view us as under rowers. You should view us as under rowers. There's a place for honor. There's a place for respect. There's a place for, man, you know, thank you, pastor. We love you. But at the same time, we've got to keep in mind that we're just all under rowers. We're just servants, and he's the one. Like, we come here to worship him, not, not, to, um, not to come and see a, a guy speak, not to come and hear some people on instruments or sing. Hopefully, 
the reason why we come is, is for him, the captain of the ship. That's what Paul's trying to say. The church had just kind of got off track and, and they weren't coming for God, they were coming for people. Does that make sense? And so we don't use human standards and man's wisdom to elevate a person. We, we, people are set apart by God, by his word, with his standards. At the end of the day, we're just under rowers. We're just servants of God. We, we skip here to, to um, verse 7 then, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And, he's, and he, he kind of flips the script a little bit. He goes in a little bit different direction. The, the first part he's saying, this is how I want you to view us. And then he starts saying this. He says, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And so Paul starts to address pride here in this church. Um, there's a commentator by the name of David Guzik, and, and this is how he breaks down this verse. He says this, he says, if there's anything different between each of us, it's because God has done it. So there's no reason for pride. Uh, everything we have is from God, so there's no reason for pride. And if what you have spiritually is a gift from God, why do you boast as if it's your own accomplishment? There's no reason for this self-glorying pride. In other words, it's, it's all from him. It's all for him. If you're gifted, it's because of him. Like, so there's no real reason for, for pride. So knock it off, right? That's what he says. Knock it off. Knock this pride off. Um, it's interesting, this, this concept of pride and, and, uh, and elevating ourselves and wanting uh, status and all of these types of things, um, it's been with us from the beginning of time and it'll probably be with us until the end of time. It's, it's, it's a thing that creeps in and, um, uh, you know, Paul's talking about it there and it happened in the Old Testament. It happened in Jesus' day. And, and Jesus, even his best friends, even his disciples had some of this creep in. In fact, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Now, these guys, um, these were in the inner circle. So you had the 12, you had the, the, the 70, the 120. It goes out. You had a lot of people that followed Jesus. But even within the 12, there were three. And even within the three, there's probably one best friend. His name was John. Watch this. Um, Peter, James, and John were the, were the three closest to Jesus. And this verse starts off, James and John, so two of the three, the sons of Zebedee came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. All right. Bold. Not, not quite wrong yet, just a little assuming. Verse 36. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. And Jesus responds. He just says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Try to say that five times fast. Baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. So what was he saying? Well, Jesus was saying, I, I'm going to die I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be bruised. There's going to be lots of blood and guts and all of that type of stuff. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. He's like, uh, it, it, can you drink the cup that I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? That's what he said. And so what's their answer? We can. We can, they said. How many know that they probably didn't know what they were talking about? 
like, it's like the, the, I think I quoted Princess Bride last week. I'll do it this week too. Um, I don't think that means what you think that means. We can, they said. Verse 39, they answered Jesus. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. Then when the ten heard about it, right, all the brothers get together. What? What are you asking? What they were really saying was, I wish I would have asked first. (laughs) But the other ten were like, man, they got there first. They all were thinking the same thing. They all wanted status. I'm sorry. Oh, there, verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them all together and said, You know that that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, the, the world system of governing... Is, is this climb the corporate ladder, it's rulership and authority, it's, it's ruling people, it's, it's you know, status and all of those types of things. And not so with you, he says in verse 43. Instead, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Does that sound a little bit like someone we're reading in 1 Corinthians? It's like, we're just underrollers. We're just servants. And then he says in verse 45, for even the Son of Man, kind of like what Paul said, I think Paul was echoing him, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's really interesting with that passage, you know that Jesus doesn't rebuke them for their desire to be great? They, it, it, that's, that's, not, that's not wrong. The, the way we get there is where we can get off track. He says, if you want to be great, go low. If you have desire to, for status and you have desire for greatness and all of that, that, that stuff, he's like, he's like you, need to, you need to serve. In fact, if you want to be first, you must be slave of all. He's like, the way that you're wanting to do this, like, like hey, Jesus, let's get to him first. And can we sit at your right and your left? I call shotgun, right? Like that, he's like, that's, that, that's, the, wrong, that's the wrong approach. That's the, the wrong way. You serve into this place. You, you're, you're actually almost like a slave in this place. It's like, that's how, you, that's how you go after it. Romans chapter 12, Paul was talking to the church in, in Rome, and, and he says, um, and this is that same chapter where he's talking about gifts and the body of Christ and all of this, and he says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Anyone ever done anything without sober judgment? You're like, ah, we're, we're not going to go there. He said, think of yourself with sober judgment, with right thinking, in accordance with the faith God has distributed, distributed to each of you. Paul's not saying, think low of yourself. He's saying, have a correct view of who you are before Christ. Would you have a correct view of what he thinks about you? Don't think of yourself higher than that. Don't think of yourself lower than that. Let's think of ourselves in accordance with the grace or the faith that God has given you. Think of yourself with sober judgment. And so we come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 
and, and we're going to start in verse 8, and Paul starts to rebuke in a kind of a pride, uh, um, he rebukes pride in kind of a sarcastic tone, um, which is kind of funny, but you, you have to understand that um, he's not trying to make fun of them. He's trying to shake them out of this pride and this self-centeredness. And so he starts to say stuff, stuff like this. He says, already, already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. You have begun to reign. And without us, how I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. In other words, he's like, you guys have elevated yourselves. Evidently, you've become rich. Evidently, you've become, begun to reign in life. I wish that oh, we're just under rowers. Man, I sure wish, man, I, I wish it was true that you were already reigning because we'd love to reign with you. But we're just under rowers. We're just servants. You see him start to kind of lay the smack down, if you will. Paul brings it back to this under rower concept in verse 9. It's, he says this, For it seems to me God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. And, and not like an end of a parade, like we're just the last float, right? We're just the ones handing out candy to all the kids. Like, no, not like that. He's like this. It's like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as human beings. I like the way the Passion Translation puts it. Watch it. It seems to me that God has appointed us apostles to be at the end of the line. We're like those on display at the end of the procession as doomed gladiators soon to be killed. Amen, Lydia. We have become a, th a theatrical spectacle to all creation, both to people and to angels. That, ver that, that word in, in verse 9 where it says spectacle, it actually is the, is the word where we get theater from. He's like, we're just on display. We're just humiliated in front of everybody. We're just under rowers. We're just gladiators. We're just at the end of the line. We're just getting ready to die. We're just on display and, and it's interesting because these are the same people, the, these people at the church in Corinth, you remember? They had a problem with Jesus being crucified and Jesus being God. They're like, that's not how you treat God. God, he's supposed to be elevated. And Jesus is like, well, I, I, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to lay my life down as a ransom for many. That violated their conscience. To see him humiliated like that, to see that shameful act, to see him naked on a cross and bloody and bleeding. And, and Paul's saying, we're, we're the same way, actually. And so if you'd like to, to um, be a follower of Christ, you need to get with the program. We're just under rowers. We're just below deck. We're below deck. He goes on in verse 10, again in that kind of that sarcastic compare and contrast, he says this. He says, we're fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. Now, he's not wanting you to like, oh, give me sympathy. He's not, I mean, some of you are thinking, oh, we need to, here's that, the world's smallest violin playing, right? My heart cries for you. No, the, the, you know, build, build a bridge and get over it, right? Is what my mom would always say. That's not, he's not talking about that. He's saying in comparison to, to the way you view us, in comparison to the way you're living, this pride that's risen up, you guys are trying to go for status. He's like, this, you, you say that we're apostles. He's like, this is what it really means to be an apostle. It means we're, we're below deck. We're under rowers. He says, we work 
hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up into this moment. Man, this is a really encouraging one. This is like, this is like Holy Spirit goose. Anyone feel that? Right? That's what he's saying. Any of us in this room, including myself, any of us ever struggle with saying the right thing when someone mistreats us? He's like, he's like we just turn the other cheek. Any of you struggle at all thinking, thinking about somebody else and, and, and you're, like, you're like, man, when, when we're cursed, we bless. Anyone, that's just your first response. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. Man, that, that, that is not natural for me. That is the opposite of natural. I have to choose to bless and choose to endure because that's not my, my normal MO, right? Either any of you, or you guys are just more spiritual than me. I, I understand. And so he goes on then in verse 14 and he, he kind of brings this back to love. He says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Remember, he's as a father, as, as an apostle. He's like, I, I, I planted this church. Many of you came to know Jesus because of me four years prior. Like, like even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. In other words, it, it, this stuff isn't easy to hear, but it comes from a loving father who wants the best for his children. He's like, would you just listen? I really do want the best for you is what he's saying. And then he brings it all. He's like, we're just under ours. Verse 16, the last verse, real short. He says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Come on. Can we, let's all just row together, right? That's what he says. He's like, he's like we're, th- those that you've elevated, that, that you've called us as, as, as apostles, uh, Paul and Apollos and Peter and all of these things, we're just under rowers. And guess what? So are you. I, I'd like you to imitate me. Jesus was basically saying the same thing to his disciples. He's like, he's like I didn't come to be served but to serve, just like you. You, you want to drink my cup and, and, and you know, and all, he's, like, he's like, all right, lay your life down. He's like, we're all, we're all under rowers. We're all below deck. There was a, some things about under rowers that were really interesting is um, they were all volunteers. You know, no, one, no one can force you into this. No, no pastor can stand up here and say, you're under rowers. Yes, sir. Right? Because uh, most of you love it when someone tells you what to do, right? You, you do, right? <laughs> That's not true. So it's a volunteer position. You sign up for this. When you say, Jesus, my heart's yours, when you give your heart to the Lord, you've actually signed up to be an under rower. Even, I don't know, who led you to Christ? Uh, if, if, you're, if you would call yourselves a Christian here, that moment when you came to Christ, I don't know who led you or what, what you uh, um, thought was going to happen when you became a Christian, but Paul's saying, hey, what you signed up for was to be below deck. You signed up to be an under rower. And it's a volunteer thing. To, another thing about under rowers is, uh, and this is all from, there, there's, a, there's a website called Bible Archaeology and a guy named Gordon Franz um, shared this. Uh, two, you, you signed up to be on an organized team of rowers. Like we're a team. We're the body of Christ. We're, we all come together with our parts, but we're just an organized team of rowers listening to the cadence of the drum, 
listening to the, to the command of the Lord. We're just under rowers. We're an organized team of rowers. The other thing is, is they rowed together. You, you didn't, they had to listen to the cadence. The, the, this, this thing about being an under rower, rower is you couldn't row uh, to your own beat. You couldn't make up your own thing. If you did, the ship wouldn't go anywhere. The only way for the ship to move is if they listened to the cadence of the drum. Not only are we all on an organized team, we are all rowing at the same time. Otherwise, we're going nowhere. And, and fourthly, um, they had to row by faith because they couldn't see. They actually, uh, um, there was no cracks. They, they, they coated the outside of these boats with, with uh, animal skin or different things like that. And you, uh, you couldn't see. Out, out, you just had to listen. You just had to listen. You had to just row by faith. I, I know we're going somewhere. <laughs> by faith, I believe that we're not in the same place <laughs> um, as we were yesterday. We're just rowing. We're just getting a workout in. We're just getting a workout in. I believe we're going. I believe that we're going in some direction because they just, all they did is they listened to the cadence of the drum. And then lastly, the under rowers received no honor. It was, it was uh, who got the honor? Oh, the captain did. The captain of the ship got the honor. The captain of the ship was visible. The captain of the ship went into war or took it where they were going. Everyone praised the captain. But the under rowers, oh, they were just an under rower. They were just an under rower. You know, I think for me, um, man, this whole topic of pride and insecurities, it's, it's, been, it's a thing that I've struggled with. Uh, I think both sides of this, elevating people too high or, or, um, or elevating myself high or putting myself down. I, may, I don't know if, if any of you have, uh, have uh, felt that in your own life, but for me, um, man, I remember, like, I would do things, like when I was a teenager, like I would, I would wear, like, the brightest colors so that people would see me. I remember coming home after shopping one day and I had these bright red pants and like a yellow canary shirt. And I'm just like, and it was, I thought it was cool, but really I was like, you know, people are going to see me. <laughs> don't, don't laugh, don't laugh. That hurts my heart. <laughs> I mean, there was this place in me at a young age of, 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 you know, needing to somehow elevate myself. And by elevating myself, I was putting other people down. That's really sometimes how we do that, right? In, our, in the natural, you, you put someone else down so that you can kind of elevate yourself up a little bit more. And I would do that. I, would, I was so sarcastic. I, I remember that's something I've had to grow in. I'm not, I, I, some would say, you still need to grow in that. But, um, but man, that was, that was a hard thing. You know, what, what's the definition of sarcasm? Well, there's a couple definitions. One, sarcasm is the tearing of flesh um, is one definition of sarcasm. The other definition of sarcasm is a um, socially acceptable emotional abuse. You're like, oh, oh. Yeah, I had to, I had to learn, um, oh, wait a minute. Like, we're all valuable. I'm not more than. Like, we're the, we're the same. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And, and there's was, was some interesting times. But then there's also this thing of elevating people too high. Oh, I, would, um, I, I would be looking at um, kind of Christian celebrities, so to speak, and thinking like, they're making it happen in the body of Christ because they're famous, they're on TV. And my dad pastored a church, a small church, probably, probably like 80 people on the, on the good days. And, and uh, probably more, more than like, you know, like 50 people. And, and I remember just somehow over time I thought, uh, man, he's, he's not successful. 
and, uh, and I started thinking, wait a minute, to, to, be, to be a success, you need to have um, this many people in your church, you need to have this many books written, you need to be on TV, you need to do, and so I kept waiting for the day that my dad was going to ha- like have his like big break, you know, like, like, like what they do if they want to go become an actor or a singer or something like that, someday my dad's going to have his big break. And there was this place, I don't know where I got that from, somewhere in this, in this whole thought process of, of putting people up too high or putting people down too low. And I don't know what it is for you guys. But, um, but for all of us, we, we find ourselves somewhere on this spectrum. And Pastor Kelly, you can come if you want in your team. Like, ask yourself these questions. In fact, if you don't mind, I'm not gonna, I'm sh- I promise I'm not going to throw anything at you. If, would you just close your eyes if you're willing? Just for a minute here. Are there people in here that we, or people that we've elevated higher than God wants us to elevate them? I think about people in my life that I've put put on pedestals. And God's saying, I want to be there. That's where I want to be. Would you think about it for a minute? Are there people that we've elevated too high? Are there people that we have in our minds demoted or lowered? We've lowered them below how God views them. He's saying, wait a minute, like, like I died for that person. Like I view them as great. I, I love them and you've demoted them. You've, you've lowered them lower than, than the way God views them. What about ourselves? Are there people in here where there's areas of pride and arrogance in your life where, where um, by your words, your thoughts, or your actions, you've elevated yourself higher than you ought? Maybe you close your eyes and you see yourself wearing red pants and a yellow canary shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you somehow, by your words or actions or thoughts, have you elevated yourself higher than you, than you ought to? And, or maybe by your words, your thoughts, or your actions, you've demoted yourself lower than you're supposed to be, lower than the way God sees you. And you may fall into one or all of those categories. And I just would like you to take a minute here before the Lord let him show you this might be a place where you just say God I'm so sorry but I didn't even know I was doing it I didn't realize I didn't realize it I just want to be an under rower maybe you can tell that to the Lord I just want to be I just want to be a servant I don't need any high position I don't need any glory you get all the glory Lord It's about us. It's not just about me. It's about us, right? It's about the team. It's about the body of Christ. God, I just want to be an under rower. I just want to row in cadence with your drum. Jesus. You just take another 30, 60 seconds here. I'm just going to be quiet and... Let the Lord show you if there's an area here you just need to say, God, I'm just so sorry. The Bible uses a word, a big word called repent. And the word actually means to change the way you think. Say, God, I need help. I need to change the way I think about this, about myself or about other people.
we're going to go into one last song here this morning. And I'd like, can we stand together? And this is what I, what I want to do. I'm not going to have anybody, any of the altar team this morning. We're, we're just going to, this is what we're going to do is, um, if you'd like to just do business with God in one of those areas, I'd like you to just come up to the front, go to the aisle, whatever, and just take some time during this song. Stay as long as you'd like. But position yourself in a place that just says, God, I want to do different. I want to respond here. I don't want it to be about me or about other people. I just want this to all be about you. Let's be under rowers. Let's worship. And when you feel comfortable and you'd like to, would you just respond by just coming, coming to the altar? You can kneel. You can stand. And it'll just mean that you're just saying, God, I'm responding to what you're saying this morning. Pastor Kelly.